Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Good morning, Thrive. It's a holiday weekend. Thank you for coming. It is a blessing that you're here. When preparing for this week, there's a couple things that came to mind. Um, I initially, I'm, I'm a guy that loves TV shows, um, and I thought I should get up here like that episode of The Office where Dwight wins that Salesman of the Year award, and he starts slamming the desk and just getting everybody fired up. Because the message we're doing today is a prayer for boldness, boldness in the church, Acts 4, 24 through 31. It's the longest scripture in the book of Acts, and it's one of the longest scriptures in the New Testament. But we're thankful that you're here. We're thankful for the opportunity to speak. Thank you to Brian and Ange. Um, I want to send our blessings their way wherever they are this week. And... Um, I always heard pastors say that as a kid. They go to get our, uh, the guest speaker, I should say, get up and thank the pastor. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. Well, it truly is a blessing. But the interesting thing is with that blessing also comes some other unintended things. Um, I know we talked last week before the worship set about just certain trials that came. I know Heidi had mentioned a few things with her week and Jimena before she was uh, scheduled to speak. Uh, so I really felt led that we need to really be upholding our pastors and those in ministry because there's an enemy out there, whether we choose to realize or accept that or not. And they don't want the Word of God spoken. They don't want the Word of God preached. So we need to be diligent in praying for our pastors. Go ahead and read the scripture. Yeah, so so with that, what we'd like to do is uh, have Cassidy read Acts 4.23 to 31. This is uh, the seventh in the series of repurposed prayers. Go ahead, Cass. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your Holy Spirit, Jesus. After they prayed, they place, the place where they were meeting began to shake, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. So since we're picking up in the middle of a chapter... At verse 23, it says, on the release, Peter and John went back to their own people. Well, release from what? 
So really to go forward, we kind of have to take a quick step back. So in Acts 2 and 3, Peter going and they're preaching in the temple. In, in Acts chapter 1, we have the day of Pentecost. There's 120 people in the upper room. So by the time Acts 2 comes, that number's increased to 3,000. So a pretty, pretty dramatic and quick increase in numbers. And they all shared in each other's burdens. They all shared in each other's uh, trials, joys, their day-to-day living. Um, well, at this time, they're getting into a routine, and one of those things was to go to have prayer in the temple. So on the way to the temple for prayer, Peter and John got a detour. Somebody say detour. Detour. Sometimes God plans things a little differently than our day might be planned. And in this time, Peter and John got distracted by what by all counts was a, a beggar, a guy that had been crippled for 40 years. He basically was 40 years old and been crippled his entire life. And he was sitting there essentially panhandling at the steps of the temple. So Peter said, I have no money for you, but what I do have I can give you. He reached out his hand and said, get up and walk. And the man got up, and everybody that saw that was tremendously amazed because everybody knew who this guy was. And I can only attribute my, my own experience to going in. When I go into the city to uh, go to different job sites, and I'll stop at lights, and I'll see people there panhandling. And there's certain ones that you could tell are just completely destitute. They've, they're in a wheelchair or some sort of uh, travesty has affected their life. So I can only relate that on that level, that this guy was in terrible, terrible condition, and now he's been completely healed. So God took these two ordinary guys and did an extraordinary thing. Well, this was creating quite a, quite a ruckus in the temple. So the palace guard and the Sadducees got a hold of Peter and John, and since it was late in the afternoon, they threw them in jail. They didn't know what to do with them. They threw them in jail. Well, the next day they take them before the Sanhedrin, which is the combination of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the high priests. So you've got essentially 71 guys in a space about this size sitting all around them. So you could imagine the amount of fear that could have potentially entered into Peter and John's minds while they're there with the Pharisees and the Sadducees being accused of these things. But Peter boldly took a stand and said, I preach the word of God. I preach the word of Jesus, my Savior. And how can you knock these miraculous things that have been done? And there was nothing they could do to him. So at that point, they had no choice but to release them. So that's where we pick up in verse 23, that they were released back to their home people, their people that they are close with, the people that are their family. So upon that return, we go to verse 24. When they heard this, they raised their voice together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant David. So what they're actually saying there in verse 24, as they're praying, they're praying together But what the Bible philosophers are telling us is that essentially it was one person praying and the others were all in agreement. See, as a church, our church body here, there's nothing more powerful than when we're all in agreement, when we're all pulling for each other, when we're all praying in one accord. 
If you look at some of the other translations, they took one mind and one voice. If you've ever been to a, a prayer, uh, a prayer meeting, a prayer service, what separates some of the good ones from some of the bad ones? You know, the the good ones is where you have somebody praying, and everybody else is just just agreeing right along with them, and there's power in that agreement. Well, in that agreement. It- it then invites in the Holy Spirit. And um, often it talks about in the Bible that maybe you don't even know what to pray. And the Holy Spirit does the utterances for you. Um, I believe that when somebody is declaring something over their life or needing breakthrough or just worshiping God, that it's so important as fellow believers around them to join in with that unified front and agreement. So we're called to be together. So I think the meeting of the local church, even like today, the meeting of the local church, we're called to have that. Isolation is dangerous. Isolation can cripple a very strong person. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be alert and of sober mind. The enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. So I don't, I don't think there's any mistake why Peter used that analogy. I'm, I'm kind of a nerd. I... I'll pull up these YouTube videos of these animals and chicken attests. She's like, what are you watching? Any bug fighting videos? You know, I'll be watching these, these, these lion videos in Africa. She's like, what in the world are you watching? But, but I don't think there's any coincidence why Peter said that. Because if you watch a lion hunt, there will be a, a herd of wildebeest or a herd of zebra. There's thousands, thousands of them. And the lions sneak up. And what are they doing? They're targeting the weak they're targeting the young, and they're targeting the old. They are targeting who is the easiest to pick off. And what do they do then? The chase begins, and they separate them from the rest of the herd. So isolation is dangerous. If I'm not in my church body, I'm leaving myself vulnerable. My life is better when I've got people around me lifting me up and holding me accountable. My life's better when Jesse's in it. My life's better when Jeremy's in it. My life's better when Howie's in it. I can't do it alone. None of us can. And if I could interject on that, um, as a person who struggled greatly with depression and anxiety, I understand when something hits you, the last thing you want to do is be around people. Right? You want to be alone. Do you not understand that is how the enemy is targeting you? He wants you alone, sitting at home, because he knows that you won't crawl out of that without community. Community is so important. Whether you're dealing with addictions or anything, which I know he's going to touch on, you need support, accountability, and community. And that's a really awesome gift that we have in the body of Christ. Because we have brothers and sisters to come alongside us to offer us the support that we need. You can't do it alone. It's too dangerous. So essentially, we need to be diligent in confessing our weaknesses not only to the Lord but to each other. There's power in our church body. We've got a lot of people here that are prayer warriors, a lot of people that will walk hand in hand and side by side with us. What I can't talk about has power over me. And it doesn't matter what that is. If I struggle struggle with alcoholism, if I struggle with sex addiction, if I struggle with eating or eating disorder, it doesn't matter what it is. If I can't talk about it, there's power there. 
And we need to be able to release that. So then we move on into verse 25. In verse 25, essentially what they're praying there is they're praying Psalms 2. So if I ever get into a circumstance where I just don't know what to pray, if we look at the early apostles, they prayed Scripture. They prayed Psalms 2. So when I, when I say, why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. You know, it's funny, you, you mentioned the name Jesus. People, people tend to be rather sympathetic and will go along with whatever you're saying. And all of a sudden you mention Jesus and people just that aren't believers would just get fired up. And they just don't want to hear it. There's something about that name because there's power in that name. Um, I had a pastor growing up that said something one time that was so profound. He said, because I grew up fortunately in a home where we would pray together every night. And when I had friends over, they had never prayed out loud before. And has anybody ever felt uncomfortable just praying out loud in front of people? Um, But there is, the devil can't read our mind. Yes, we can pray in our thought life to the Lord, but there's power when you actually speak it out. You're coming against the dominions of darkness. You're also um, speaking things into existence with your positivity and all these other things. You are literally convincing yourself of what it is that you're trying to believe. And one exercise that my pastor growing up gave is if you don't know what to pray, just take a scripture and put it into you literally say it out loud with you in that. You know, dear Lord, thank you that you are hearing my heart, that I know all things are called together according to your purposes for my life, that I have a hope and a future. And you just declare the scripture, and that can be the beginning of your prayer life. So then verse 27 and 28, it's a reminder that even though our situation around us may seem deteriorating or falling apart, God is in control, and God has the final say. You know, it's, it's funny, and I noticed this in my own life. We tend to pray and seek the Lord only in the most dire of circumstances, when you need something. When I'm, when I'm struggling and things around me seem to be falling apart. We've tried it all on our own, and then we go to him last. When all else has failed, you know, you're hitting the eject button, God, bail me out. So Cassidy, 18 years ago, many of you probably already know this story, but she was involved in a, in a boating accident that nearly took her life. She was airlifted to the hospital. She ended up having a half-inch blood clot on the tire right side of her brain. But I liken her circumstance with the, with the surgeon to our prayer life because she was in a six, seven, eight-hour surgery, something along those lines. She came out. They gave her all the statistics of why she wouldn't be normal, why she would never uh, function again the way she once did. And after the surgery, she came out and God a miraculously healer. Now, we know that God is our healer, our restorer, our redeemer. But the surgeon performed the surgery that, that essentially saved her life. Now, similar to that, when God comes through for us in a, in a real and powerful way, the man is the head, the woman is the neck, and she can turn the neck or the head. Oh, sorry. <laughs> So, similar to Cassidy with the surgeon, she's not going back there every time she passes that hospital and calling up the surgeon and thanking them for what that surgeon did. She's not 
She's not on the anniversary going and seeking him out and, and, and praising him for saving her life. But in, in that same jest, after God's done his work in that situation, we tend to forget and we tend to not go back and praise him for those things that he's done for us. So how should we pray? Oh, is that what it is? Sorry. So how, so how should we pray? Well, there is a roadmap for that. And I was in a Bible class when I was in eighth grade called Brick, Built Right in Christ's Kingdom. And one of the things they taught us in Brick was to pray the Acts, which, no coincidence, we're in the book of Acts. But Acts is an acronym that stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. We see this a lot at our bedtime around our house, where we go to do our prayers at night, and you kind of go on autopilot, and the kids will rush through it, and what do I say a lot, guys? Be reverent to the Lord. So they'll, they'll rush through the prayers, and what is the first thing you say? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Who, who, who hasn't said that? Thank, Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. And it's easy to go on autopilot. Unless you're our four-year-old, he says, which I love this, he says, dear Lord, welcome home every time. Every time. Every time. <laughs> so when we're praying, we need to make it meaningful. We need to make it personal. And we need to make it specific. We'd be, be careful not to fall into the rut of a prayer that's just going through the motions. In Philippians 4, 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So then we move on to verse 29. If I could tag on really quick with that. Yep. Um, many of you know the story of the lepers that were healed, right? And how many went back to thank them? One. I feel like Grateful hearts and attitudes bring mental and emotional wellness and wholeness in our life. I had posted, um, I think it might have been Bobby that posted it. Somebody posted about um, how if you're grateful and you have gratitude, you automatically get rid of anxiety. So it's very good for us to continually praise his name and thank him for the air we're breathing and everything else. It doesn't matter how rough you have it. If you're in the lowest valley you could possibly be in, somebody not too far from you has it worse. There's always things to be positive and grateful about. So then moving on to verse 20 now. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. So here you had Peter and John in the temple speaking with boldness, essentially standing down the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the high priest. And here they are now, and they're praying for more boldness. So I really feel like our prayer needs to be for boldness. We're, we're living in a time unlike any other in our country right now. Where if you speak the word of, the word of God and you speak in boldness, you're going to be considered or labeled some ist. Doesn't matter what. 
but we're called to boldness. We're called to truth. Because here's what's going on right now, essentially. The world is speaking love. Love is love. And they're speaking everything from the concept of if you love this person, you would do this. However, love without truth is what they're selling. And at a times, we get frustrated and we might be essentially beating them over the head where we're giving them truth without love. Whereas if we can meet in the middle and give love with truth, how many more people will we, will we bring to God? Peter is speaking truth, but he's speaking it. He's, he's, he's not beating them over the head. He's simply speaking to them in, in truth and love. He's, he is giving it to them from the standpoint of the only way he knows how. They, they see that these are uneducated men. They're not eloquently speaking or, or doing anything specific other than speaking the name of Jesus. Um, and others are different from us, okay? They dress different, they talk different, they act different. Some people are not in their walk or of life that is anywhere near the same season that you might be in. If we are talking about them to others, if we are weirded out by them, if we are offended by them, and the way they present themselves or they talk or do things, how in the world is that Jesus' light and love, that we are offended by their sin? Now, yes, we don't accept this sin, but you love the sinner. And I feel like there's such a small line to where if we want to reach those who have no identity in Christ, they're searching for their identity. They want to know who they are. The best way to do that is to love them where they're at. They don't need you to point out everything that they are doing wrong. They need to be loved where they're at. And then when you love them where they're at, that invites the Holy Spirit in to work and minister to their heart. And as we're walking in boldness, God, God has really called each of us by a new name. I mean, you look back through the Bible, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. When he was born, he was born second in line in his family. His name literally meant the ankle grabber because he was born directly after Esau, and they were, they were wrestling in the womb. And as Esau was coming out, Jacob was grabbing onto his heel, and he, he literally had this, this weight over him his entire life to the where he, he steals Esau's blessing, runs away, and basically goes in hiding until God gets a hold of him, changes his name, and the descendants of Israel all came through that name change. You look at James and John. They were called the Sons of Thunder. Sounds like a wrestling tag team. I don't know. Barnabas is mentioned just a little bit later in this chapter. His real name was Joseph, but they called him Barnabas because he was called the Son of Encouragement. And Peter, as we know, was called the Rock. And can you smell what the Rock is cooking? I mean, you think about Peter. He was the kind of the eclectic guy out there, chopping off ears, walking on the water. I mean, I, I can only imagine if they played some intro music when this guy walked into the space. It would have been, it would have been something. But he's, he's called us by a new name, given us that boldness. And my prayer is that this body of believers would be so emboldened and filled with the Holy Spirit to be willing to preach the Word of God under any and all circumstances. Under a tarp outside on the farm. There you go. Country of the K. And I had boldness when we were putting this tarp up that I could get it to work because there was some moments there, not going to lie, there were some moments I wasn't sure if this was going to work. 
So, so we need to have boldness. I, I can think of one time when I was actually bold in my life. There was times where I, I, I can look back and I say, I wasn't bold there. I was not bold there. But there was one time in my life I could look back and say, that was a moment of boldness. And it was March of 2005. I had a friend that moved to Florida when I was 15 years old, and he called me up and asked me to stand up in his wedding. And we had still remained semi-close, but I was surprised that he asked me to go. And uh, I had been dating a girl on and off for a long time, and she canceled on me. She was actually going to come with me. She canceled on me at the last minute, so I ended up going there dateless. Lo and behold, I met this bubbly blonde that weekend. And when we were doing the rehearsal two nights before, the night before, uh, right as we were getting to walk down the aisle, she grabbed my arm, and I turned to her, and I said, this is going to be the first time I walk you down the aisle, but it won't be the last. I had known her for two days, and I felt the Lord had put that on my heart, and her having had grown up in the South, I guess that's a, that's a thing down there where guys are staking their claim early on. I, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things. So, so anyway, so, so that was a moment that I had some boldness, and the Lord carried it out to fruition because he had placed it on my heart. So One year to the day later, he walked me down the aisle. <laughs> one year to the day. So I wasn't lying. But, but God, God has called us to that. And I, and I would just encourage each one of you, how many times are we in a church service on a weekend where God really does something, comes through, gives us a word, and it's, 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 it's life-changing, it's altering. And then we show up to work on Monday, and people are like, oh, how was your weekend? You know, it was fine. fine. It was good. What would you do? Oh, you know, I went to church, kind of hung out. We're not, we're not sharing just the power that God is, is working in and through our lives because he's doing something in each one of us. And, what, and, and with, that, with that being said, what I, what I would like to close with as, as the worship team comes forward, in Isaiah 43, it gives us a scripture of God's reassurances. Isaiah 43, but now this is what the Lord says, he who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made, lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. All the nations gather together, all the peoples assemble. Which of their gods foretold this and proclaimed us to former things? Let us bring them and their witnesses and prove they were right, so that others may hear and say, it is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servants whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me 
and understand that I am He. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, the Lord, I am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed, I and not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, and from the ancient days I am He. No one can deliver out of my hands. When I act, who can reverse it? I just want to encourage you guys. Um, I know I've failed in boldness sometimes. You know, when you're, you're in line at the checkout, you never know if the person behind you might be contemplating suicide. You feel those little promptings to reach out and, and be loved to somebody, smile, ask them, how are you doing? Are you okay? Oh, he lost part of the tent. Hey, it, the great shaking of the Holy Spirit. I was just about to say in verse 31, <laughs> the very next verse, and a great shaking overtook the place, and the people were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to preach. So I think that's exactly timely for where we're at. Anyways, Amen. I was going to say, take this last song to pray for boldness in your life. Boldness to be more positive. Boldness to focus on the good. Boldness to love those where they're at now, rather than judging them. Boldness to share your faith wherever you are. Amen. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. So long.